Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Joanne Rinker, the Director of Practice and Content Development at ADCES. I would like to wish you a happy National Diabetes Education Week. Every year during the first full week of November, we recognize the passion and dedication of diabetes care and education specialists and all they have to offer the larger care team. The evidence is clear that diabetes education improves outcomes, reduces the risk of complications, and improves quality of life. However, it is severely underutilized. But why is that? Together, there are things that we can do to ensure the care we offer is individualized and meets the specific needs of those we serve. That is why today we are speaking with two amazing diabetes care and education specialists to clarify what the national standards for DSMES really require and what you can do to offer more engaging and person-centered care. In the first part of today's episode, we will speak with Sasha Yulman the ADCES Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs. Sasha will help us understand the national standards and how we can do more than just check a box. In the second half of today's episode, Sasha will join Lucille Hughes, the Director of Mount Sinai, South Nassau's Diabetes Education Program. They will discuss how you can deliver engaging diabetes care that meets the specific needs of your clients. Sasha, we're so excited to have you here today. To kick us off, can you just tell us a little bit about your role at ADCES as the Director of Accreditation? Hi, Joanne. Yeah. In my role at ADCES, I have the privilege of overseeing our diabetes education and prevention programs. So as a key part of my role, I get to review all the incoming applications for DAP accreditation and support our new and existing quality coordinators throughout the application process. And throughout their accreditation to help them maintain and meet the national standards for DSMES. And my background was a quality coordinator for a large program in Michigan for many years. So that's been really helpful in understanding what our quality coordinators are facing in terms of navigating a lot of the administrative pieces and process without losing sight of keeping the person with diabetes at the center of it all. That's great, Sasha. Such a good connection. So the first thing I want to ask you is in 2017, the national standards really stressed the importance of person-centered care. So how can that be implemented in practice in a DSMES service? Yeah, it's really important to keep that person-centered perspective when reviewing the standards and translating those to implement into your local DSMES service. I had a fabulous medical director when I worked clinically, and he always reinforced their team that if you focus on the person's needs and preferences, everything else will fall into place. And I've always kept that front and center. It's important to review the standards through the lens of how to make these things fit organically and how you're counseling your participants and try to avoid getting caught up in too much interpretation 
because we can easily overthink these things and get stuck in the details. So a good example is the DSMES assessment. There's a bunch of key areas that need to be addressed, and this is where checking the box can kind of be problematic. I see um, people submit lengthy questionnaires and quizzes kind of aimed at hitting all these key areas. And the problem is nothing is usually done with that information. And the purpose of the assessment is just to learn about and collaborate with a person, including prioritizing topic areas that are needed in a time frame and cadence that'll be feasible with their goals, needs, and personal life. So keeping forms short and simple, use the EMR if you have one to reduce the number of times a person's asked the same question, especially in the same day, and verify things verbally. A good way to start is really just asking, how can I help you today? Or what's the hardest thing about managing your diabetes? And often that conversation will flow and you'll get all the questions answered that you need just through conversation. Sasha, I love that approach. So once you've worked with this person and you've really kind of gotten to a place where you have had some good conversations and it's really this person-centered care, individualized care, how do you actually communicate back to the provider? What is the communication that you suggest to that referring provider? For one thing, if you're in an EMR and the referring provider has access to the documentation of the education at each session, you know, you're already documenting that for them to see and they can access that. If they're not using the same EMR, you know, sending a brief letter and making sure you're highlighting the education provided, their goals and how they're doing with the goals they're setting, or maybe at least sort of the final goal that they're working on, along with some of the clinical metrics, the improvements that they've made over the time. And I'd also encourage everyone to take this opportunity to remind the referring providers of the four critical times to refer and the importance of offering a referral to DSMES at least every year or as needed related to those four critical times. That's great. And then, you know, on the other note, as far as documentation goes, the biggest concern seems to be around documentation. There is a belief that all content areas must be reviewed for a person with diabetes to kind of quote unquote, complete the DSMT service. So can you just clarify what must be covered and how best to do that with that person-centered approach we've been talking about? Yeah, this is one that definitely can get lost in the details. The curriculum is really the backbone to the education provided. And the team who's providing the education should be very well-versed in all of that content and be very comfortable with the content. But the purpose of the DSMES is really not to show the person with diabetes everything you know or teach them everything you know in any particular order. It's really to use that knowledge you have to answer their questions and support their individual needs. So, you know, focusing on the person or the group you're with and their specific needs and questions. And knowing that when someone has a question and you make them wait until it comes up in your PowerPoint later, you've already lost them. So when it comes to documentation, you're really documenting what you covered, their goals, and there's no requirement to cover all areas. You really want to focus on what their needs and their questions are and really get those answered. It's a collaborative plan. And so just documenting what you did is really the key. And so it sounds like what's really important here, Sasha, is that we're not just checking boxes. We are just paying attention and answering the questions of the person that's sitting in front of us or next to us. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I think it can be easy to get overwhelmed by some of the standards and think that there's so much more to it because a lot of us really are doing this. And it's just sort of keeping that documentation consistent with what the person you're talking to is telling you. And in terms of even like setting goals, when I was documenting goals in my program, we would document exactly what the person told us. I wouldn't paraphrase it or put it in my own words. I put it in their words so that when they came back, I knew exactly what they had told me. I love it. I love that approach. Thank you, Sasha. Now that we know we don't have to cover the entire curriculum, let's learn more about how to offer more engaging and individualized sessions. Lucille Hughes is the director of Mount Sinai South Nassau's Diabetes Education Program and joins us today to discuss her tips. Hi, Lucille. It's good to have you here. Could you tell us a little more about yourself and your role as a diabetes care and education specialist? Oh, sure. Thank you, Sasha. First of all, I'm so excited to be asked to participate in today's podcast. And I also want to thank you and ADCS for this wonderful opportunity. A little bit about myself. I've been a nurse for 36 years and a diabetes care and education specialist for 32 of those 36 years. I believe I was in the second year of the national um, exam in 1988. So um, I've been around for a long time. I have my doctorate in nursing practice, a master's degree in nursing and nursing education, and ADCES member since 1988. And I am board certified in advanced diabetes management, more importantly, a fellow of ADCES since 2013. Professionally, I work at Mount Sinai South Nassau, located on Long Island, New York. I am Director of Diabetes Education here and the Quality Coordinator for our DAP program, which I implemented in 2016. We have one main hub and seven community sites all together in our program here. And to make things, I guess you could say, more exciting, I'm also a volunteer DAP auditor, which allows me to visit other DAP programs, share helpful tips help them maintain certification, and many times walk away with uh, new and exciting initiatives and innovative ideas that help me advance my program. Um, In fact, actually two years ago, I was auditing a program and the quality coordinator had this stuffed pancreas pillow with these Velcro beta cells. And I thought, well, how interesting is that? And she used it in her education classes And from that experience, I came home, bought some fabric and sewed myself a pancreas pillow with beta cells that could Velcro on and off and used it in my classes, making it a really interactive experience and visual experience for our patients. So I look at auditing as a win-win for both sides, myself, and hopefully the quality coordinators also feel that way as well from the information they get from me. Definitely. I agree with you. That's probably the most rewarding part of my job is getting to know all these wonderful quality coordinators and just hear the stories about all the creative things they're doing to reach participants and really connect with people and make things a little bit more clear. So how do you use the DSMES national standards and your evidence-based curriculum to guide your DSMES programming and sessions with participants? Keeping it interesting. Yeah, sure. I think you would say that usually, you know, we use the standards of care and evidence-based curriculum as guiding principles, really to ensure that our program is on track and meeting, obviously, ADCES's goals and our patients' needs. As an auditor, early on, I realized I was using these standards of care and the curriculum to evaluate programs. And it hit me like, why aren't I using these 
on a regular basis in my own program. So what I started doing was throughout the year and definitely once a year with my staff, we look at those standards, we look at the curriculum, we evaluate our program. This ensures that number one, if I get audited, which I've been on both sides, I've been an auditor and I've also had my program audited, I know I'm ready at any moment. It also gives me confidence to say that I'm delivering the information that I need to deliver to reach our patients and keep them safe and improve their diabetes self-management. So I, I use them definitely as guiding principles. It also allows my staff to see what they're doing and why they're doing it. So it makes it transparent that we're asking to collect this information or to deliver this particular topic because it is a standard and guideline, but this is why. And we have the curriculum to support it. So I think that for me, it's been, and for my staff, guiding principles to ensure we have a great program. For the curriculum, um, that's ever-changing. I mean, obviously, we have our core curriculum, but how we deliver that curriculum, I will tell you, it evolves. And I think that's a, a sign of a strong program. I think of a movie, you know, if you build it, they will come. It doesn't quite match what we do. Right. I have found that over the years, right, DSMES. We need to catch our patients' attention first. How many patients come to our program and saying, when they finally get here, oh my gosh, I wish I had come early. I wish I came two years ago, 10 years ago. It's getting them, then they're usually hooked. And I've learned over the years with the curriculum that starting out, we used to put everyone in diabetes overview. That was the first class you had to take. And I had to realize, you know what? Everyone's really interested in food. (laughs) We talk about food. It's a natural thing to talk about. And most people with diabetes are worried about their meal planning and how that might change. So to put them in diabetes overview at first, when they're thinking patient-centric, oh my gosh, when are we going to talk about food? They weren't really engaging and they weren't signing up for the next classes. So what I did was I just, it's the same curriculum, but I changed the order. I needed to be more fluid and realize, let's get them in for medical nutrition therapy first. A nice, fun class about food and nutrition. Get them hooked. We can weave in diabetes overview one-on-one and even into some of the classes. But more importantly is we had to catch them. We had to hook them first. And then they did come back. So that I think is important. Yeah, definitely. When people have a question, they don't necessarily want to wait a week or two weeks or however long to get the answer. So it's great that you're kind of looking at what their changing needs are, their changing questions are, and really addressing those in real time. That's great. Yeah. And I also love how you reviewed the curriculum and the national standards every year. I think that you probably learn new things every time you look at them as well, even though you've read them a billion times. Every time. And then, you know, how does it impact our program also? Do we have enough staff? Mm-hmm. It, it really is, a, as the quality coordinator, we're looking at not only the patients and uh, the programs, but we're evaluating how we deliver them and the staff and whether or not the information is relevant to each of the participants. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what advice would you offer a diabetes care education specialist who's about to start a DSMES session with a participant or a group? Well, I guess just coming off of what we just said, actually keeping things very relevant to the patient, right? And what do they want to know? Um, Keeping it fluid, open to change. An example is medication management. You know, it's part of the curriculum. We have to do that. And 
when you go into a session or a class saying, this is what we're going to deliver. And, and you see this glaze over mm-hmm. the patients. I had a class once where I just happened to be doing medication management and um, there were five participants. They were all on metformin. That was it. And yet I looked at the curriculum for the class and we, you know, it's every medication on the market. And then part two was insulin. I knew they weren't going to come back for part two. So what I would say to someone is, you know, make sure that the information you're going to be delivering, whether in class or in person, is relevant to the participants. If you're working one-on-one, I always like to suggest starting out with some very common, I think about motivational interviewing, right? Starting out with some questions. And we have 45 minutes together today. What do you want to make sure we cover? Or what are the burning questions that you may have coming into our visit today? And, and how can I answer them? Making sure that we all know as diabetes care and education specialists that there are very important things we need to cover. We may be looking at a person that we know is either has hypoglycemic unawareness or just episodes of hypoglycemia. And we know we have to get to that. But if that's not number one on the patient's list of questions, we need to go with their questions first. And then with our skill with timing, make sure we leave time to cover what we really know what they need to cover. So I would say for new diabetes care and education specialists is to not so much, don't have an agenda going into that visit. Even with the classes, really read your audience and the participants and get to know them, ask questions, listen. I use that 80-20 rule. You know, I'm Italian, so it's hard for me to be quiet, (laughs) but I try to listen 80% of the time and talk for 20% because if I'm listening, I'm going to capture so much of what that patient knows and needs to know. And then I'm sure I'm going to provide better education to that patient and use up that time a lot more wisely. Absolutely. And that's that's the purpose of that assessment too, right? You learn a little bit about the participants so you can meet their needs. And I love just your comment about you read the room, you kind of, you pay attention to those signs, those visible signs. Exactly. To see if people are interested. So how do you make the group sessions person-centered when participants are from different cultures and backgrounds? Great question. Um, and it's so important, especially today's day and age where we know about cultural competency. And I have to tell you, 30 years ago, you know, that was not our topic. You know, we were basically winging it. And I've had to learn the hard way. You know, over 30 years ago, I remember a patient experience that will always stay with me because I know I've grown from it, although it was painful to go through it. I had a gentleman, he was from the Philippines, and I had just finished a 48-hour food recall with this gentleman, at which he had told me about eating rice, and he ate rice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And although I was a little taken aback, I said, okay, so this is what we're going to do. And his patient-centered goals, Sasha, catch me on that, right? (laughs) Patient-centered goals was I told him that we were going to limit rice to one meal a day. And uh, he was so respectful and agreed to all this. And I remember he left that day and my administrative assistant, who happened to have been from the Philippines, she just looked at me and shook her head and she said, you know, you're lucky if he comes back because you just created a goal for him that's going to be very difficult for him to achieve. You didn't take into consideration his culture at all. And I remember being stunned, but she was so right. (laughs) And I don't think people make that mistake as much today. But again, it wasn't a very popular topic back then. And I was lucky for him to come back. I was lucky he gave me a second chance. And it made me grow. And I started, obviously, by apologizing. And 
getting to know his culture, starting asking questions. So tell me, what is life like in the Philippines? What are some cultural foods? How can we blend your needs, your cultural needs, your wants into your food and meal planning? And it was such a great relationship. It really evolved into a much better relationship. And I think I evolved into a much better educator because of that experience. So asking questions, getting to know the individual, their cultures, their lifestyle, and it doesn't have to be also culture. It's what do people do for a living? What is their home life like? Um, Food insecurities. You know, we need to think about so many things today before we start telling everyone suggestions and how we can improve their life. We need to level set and find out what that life is like. And then how can we add to that to make it better, improve it, help them ease some of their frustrations and barriers? So I think that's our greatest value. Absolutely. You know, and I I love how you share a mistake, you know, something that was rough to go through because I think we kind of expect that we have to have all the answers and sometimes we just don't. And we're going to make mistakes, but when you learn from them, and and fortunately, he came back. So that's wonderful. Wonderful to hear. Yes. And like I said, I've been doing this for, you know, 30, 32 years. I still make mistakes. It's okay, as long as we learn from them. Yep. I love it. So I just have, you know, one last question. What else do you want to mention to our audience about personalizing DSMES or things you've learned along the way? Um, I think that it's really important to, I enjoy every patient interaction, every class. It's a privilege. I walk into a session or a class just really lucky to be able to have an opportunity to possibly impact a patient to improve their life, to improve their diabetes self-management. I believe that what we do for our profession as diabetes care and education specialists has such a tremendous impact. We are saving lives and our patients need us tremendously. I also think in this day and age, we have a voice. We have to have a louder voice, but I think we're gaining that. As horrible as COVID has been for our country and for every patient affected, every person affected, it also, I think, has shown our value even more. Our value has increased. People and providers and patients have seen the impact on patients with diabetes with COVID-19. And I think that has given us an opportunity, as much as we'd rather it not have happened, but it's given us an opportunity to say, we are here. We're diabetes care and education specialists. We have tremendous value in the healthcare team. Um, This is what we can do, either on the inpatient side or the outpatient side listen to our providers. We have providers now, primary care physician practices, actually calling the diabetes center saying, can I have a diabetes care and education specialist in my practice? Because more and more people have diabetes. There are measures that our PCP practices have to meet now. Many of them have diabetes related. And I've been standing on a platform saying, we can help you with this. This is what we do. Use us. They're hearing me. I may have to have changed how we deliver that. I've had to decrease the hours in our diabetes center, the main hub, just so I could take the educators out into those practices, as you would know, and I'm sure everyone listening, you know, we're working with skeleton staffs. Many of the programs are working with a limited amount of diabetes care and education specialists, but we use that 
opportunity to change it up. I decrease the diabetes center to two and a half days and push them out into the practices. And guess what? My volume is increasing. I thought it would decrease, but it's increasing because the providers want us there. So I think I would like to, I guess, my take-home message is we are so valuable. Talk about our value to administration. Talk about our value to the primary care physician practice. Talk about our value to our patients. And we will continue to thrive, I believe, in this healthcare system. We do really great things, really great things. We want everyone to know about it. Absolutely. And you save the other providers some time trying to figure things out because you have that time to focus on diabetes for that 45 minutes or an hour. That's wonderful. Yes. Thank you, Lucille. This has been so helpful. And I'm sure our audience really appreciates all the information you've provided. Oh, my pleasure, Sasha. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today, we heard from Sasha Yulman and Lucille Hughes on the importance of not just checking a box when it comes to engaging and individualized diabetes education. The national standards for DSMES do not require you to offer the full curriculum. Be flexible in how you deliver diabetes education and focus on what each individual wants to learn. Consider an assessment questionnaire or one-on-one time prior to group sessions so that you can find out what their life is like, what their cultural needs are, and to identify any barriers to care. For diabetes education to be an effective tool, we must make it work for every individual. You can access more tips and other resources at diabeteseducator.org slash N-D-E-W. Membership at ADCES gives you access to the education, networking, and resources to improve your practice and optimize outcomes for your clients. Find out what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.